Welcome to Spiritual Psychology. My name is Renee Lavalle McKenna. I'm a therapist and shamanic healer. And today I want to talk about the survival guide for sensitive people. Sensitivity is often seen as a weakness or a deficit in our culture. And I'm going to tell you that sensitivity is a superpower. What we call sensitivity in this vague and general way could actually be seen as an entire sensory system that's unrecognized by most scientific and psychological modalities. And it's my experience that well-developed, trained, and managed sensitivity allows us incredible information about ourselves, about other people, and about the world at large. Information that insensitive people don't have access to. What we call being sensitive is actually an acute awareness that could be seen as a series of abilities that can really help us tap into the deeper reality of what's happening in the world around us. And because Western culture has come to overly value the more active, dominant, more masculine-oriented skills of pure survival, there's been a corresponding undervaluing of the more feminine, receptive qualities of deep awareness, relationality, and the gathering and processing of information. I love the idea that we all hold masculine and feminine within us, and that the relationship or interbalance of those two forces within ourselves make us whole. We don't have to look too far into our culture, our government, war, the environmental issues that we have in the world today to see that the overdominance of the masculine paradigm is imbalanced, unsustainable, and unhealthy. The heroes of Western myth and movies tend to be young, virile, tough guys who go around killing things. A lot of value in the warrior energy. And an underbalance of the feminine aspect of that, which would be, from my perspective, the compassionate healer. I did a podcast recently on the healthy and unhealthy aspects of the warrior, if you're interested in learning more about that. There's been some really great literature that's come out recently about introverts versus extroverts. And again, this kind of overvaluing of extroverts and hopefully a growing recognition that introverts are imperative for a healthy functioning system. Being an introvert is not synonymous with being a sensitive person. I'm an extrovert and an extremely sensitive person, although I hated that about myself for much of my life. I really valued the John Wayne tough guy and saw my own sensitivity as a weakness rather than the strength that I appreciate my sensitivity as today. But I'm only able to appreciate that sensitivity as the gift, talent, or superpower that it is because I've learned how to develop and manage it. The reason I had such a bad relationship with my acute awareness or sensitivity is that it caused me a lot of suffering. My skills were completely underdeveloped and I saw no value in them, except that they caused me distress. And so I managed my sensitivity, like a lot of people do, with drugs and alcohol, with food, and a lot of addictive distractions. I developed this really harsh internal narrative that I call the inner critic as a way to try to manage my sensitivity so that other people wouldn't know it existed or so I could suppress it. 
I also have a podcast on the inner critic that leads to a really powerful process for dissolving the inner critic based on an ancient Buddhist practice called Chud. I have a whole chapter devoted to the inner critic in my book, Allies and Demons. And one way to understand that inner critic is that it's a defensive structure or a management technique to try to navigate the gap between our internal experience and our external experience. So we're all familiar with the five basic senses, sight, sound, taste, touch, smell. I always add instinct and intuition to those. And instinct and intuition are general terms that hold this vast array of awarenesses that can make sensitivity a superpower. But a lot of them are difficult to measure, if not impossible with regular scientific methods. And so if you can't measure it in science or make a lab rat do it over and over again, then much of our culture considers that it must not be real or true. So a lot of sensitivity, as I'm talking about it, falls under what's often called extrasensory perception. And I think that's accurate because these are extra senses. We all have them. How highly developed they are in any one person is unique to them. And it's really been through my training in shamanism, opening directly to different ways of knowing, other levels of consciousness, and the idea that there's a lot more going on in ordinary reality than just what we can see, hear, or touch with our regular five senses. That every form, aspect, and element in the world has its own intrinsic wisdom. And that it could be understood that everything holds a certain amount of consciousness. And that when we open to that possibility, our relationality with the material world can really change. How our intentions manifest, how we receive guidance, and we can move through life much more relationally or conversationally, not just with people, but with the places, things, and events and experiences of our life. Sense of deep connection. Wisdom and awareness are some of the benefits of being a sensitive person when we learn how to manage and mature our particular set of skills. So in spiritual psychology, everything can have a form, even things that are formless, like energy, emotions, experiences, the past, the future, the divine, and the dead, just to name a few. And these extra awarenesses are usually more body felt or kinesthetic experiences that the rational mind doesn't know how to make sense of. And that's where the training comes in. Because just trying to block or numb or avoid that which is incoming information can actually be dangerous because sometimes that's information we really need. And without that valuable information, our ability to do sense making and make good choices is limited. So I had quite a few people reach out to me this week, extremely distressed about current events. One called me crying, another had to take half day off of work. One was feeling the stress of her colleagues at work and the other was feeling the distress of a large part of the culture at large. There are so many amazing skills that people have to be able to tune into the resonance of plants the wisdom of animals, awareness of the dead. I have particular sight for people's childhood trauma. I can see their wounded inner children. But one of the most common sensitivities is emotional awareness of what other people are feeling. Could be called empathy. 
But the way I'm talking about it and the way a lot of sensitive people manage, particularly the emotional distress of others, is that they really feel it in their body. In fact, sometimes they actually take it on. And in this work, in spiritual psychology, emotions, thoughts, energy have a form. And you can literally take them into your body and store them. And I probably don't need to tell you that that's not a good idea. Although the motive is often to help or to try to make the environment better for ourselves or everyone else, taking on the unresolved emotional issues of other people does no good for anyone. So what do we do instead? Well, the first principle is to realize that everyone is responsible for their own experience. We certainly can help people. I have dedicated my life to that. But how we help them, if we really want to further them along their evolution, rather than just give them immediate relief or comfort, that's a skill set that may need to be learned. And it's very valuable for everyone. And again, this is, for me, the value of doing spiritual psychology rather than just regular Western psychology, because you get a whole level of resources that aren't available if you're just in the rational material world. The spiritual, transpersonal, and energetic resources that are available to us are really incredible and easily accessible when we know how to do it. So for anyone who feels like they might actually take on the emotions of other people, it's true. You can absolutely do that. And I suggest you stop as soon as possible. And here's how you do that. Developing a more mature system actually allows you to be more helpful to other people and it will further your own personal growth. So the first thing to realize is that you do have these extra awarenesses and to validate them. And I'm here to do that for you and tell you if you think that you're aware of stuff that other people might think is crazy, it's probably true. The second thing is to own that ability and I believe that all abilities we have, we're supposed to use for the benefit of others and ourselves. So my suggestion is to set an intention to develop and use that ability to be helpful to yourself and the world. If you want to just avoid it altogether, drink some wine, smoke some weed, and shut this podcast off. He has one of the many advantages of developing these awareness skills or sensitivities. Although we may first experience them as distress, like a person with acute hearing, if you scream, it's really intense for them, but they can hear subtleties in music that someone like me can't because auditory is one of my weakest skills. And when we develop any skill, the range of what we're able to get and give from that expands. So learning how to manage and navigate the difficult or distressing incoming experience that may feel acute also correspondingly expands our ability to experience and gather information, insight, wisdom, and energy from the higher resonances on that same scale. And everything has a scale in this plane of duality. Nothing's just bad or just good. Everything has both, just like emotions. So your ability to tolerate distress will also increase your ability to tolerate joy. And when we block things out, we block out the whole potato, if anybody's blocking potatoes, whatever that is. So one client in particular this week, really feeling the distress of colleagues at work, 
one of the roles in her life early on was to try to manage the distress of siblings and parents in her family. That she could actually take on their feelings as a way to give them relief, to try to bring balance and harmony. She was a grounding force. And she tried to do that to make things more peaceful for herself, but also because she genuinely wanted to help her family members. And when we drop into the body sensation of this experience, she actually felt like she had a pocket in her heart center and she could put other people's feelings into that pocket. But the pocket was full and it really depleted her. And she had no process for emptying this pocket out. In fact, she wasn't even conscious that she was really doing this. Although other people were, and they came to her frequently to dump their problems onto her and she would take them on. Because on an energetic or emotional level, people know when you're willing to take their stuff. I know this from experience. And so one of the advantages of working transpersonally, spiritually, is that there's a lot of help available outside of our regular little ego self. So one of the first things I do when I work with clients is connect them with their own interpretation of higher consciousness. So often people connect with their own higher self. I have another sensitive client who experiences that as a white energy that runs from the crown of her head down to her perineum. And when she connects with it, she's calm, she's grounded, and she has access to a lot of her own just innate wisdom. I actually have quite a few clients who experience this as the tandem of Jesus and Mary that show up with this kind of masculine feminine dynamic on either side of them. From a Buddhist perspective, this would be our Buddha nature. So this client who was distressed at work has a particular relationship with the trees and she really grounds herself with tree energy. The trees are behind her and around her and trees hold incredible wisdom. So we brought this dynamic of taking on other people's energy, of storing them in this pocket in her heart that was kind of making her sick and certainly depleting her and making her depressed. And we brought this to the tree energy. And when she resonates with the tree energy, she's incredibly grounded. She's able to just be with other people's experience and not take it on. And as we sat more with this dynamic and her intention to be genuinely helpful to others, it became clear that the trees had the ability to receive carbon dioxide and to emanate oxygen, that they had their own transformational system that she didn't have within her body, but that she could ground the tree energy. In fact, maybe the tree even wanted to be in front of her and the tree could take on the suffering of the person and manage it with a transpersonal wisdom that she didn't have. Connecting people when we're connected with higher consciousness, when we bring that connection to others and offer it to them, it's incredibly powerful and transformative. And we're actually connecting them with an unlimited resource as opposed to having them become dependent on us. It's like the difference between giving a hungry person a fish or giving them a fishing rod. We are not supposed to feed people from our own life energy. We're supposed to use that life energy to ground and care for ourselves, so that we can be of service to others. And from my perspective, the best thing we can do in grounding ourselves is to offer people 
access to the same things that we're grounded in, which is universal life force, God, higher consciousness, whatever you want to call it. If you're interested in doing more of this work on your own, my book and workbook, Allies and Demons, Working with Spirit for Power and Healing, is available on Amazon. Audiobook coming soon. If you want to find out about one-on-one sessions or my three-month mentorship program, shoot me an email, info at reneemckenna.com. And thanks to everyone who supports spiritual psychology on Patreon. Blessings on your path until we meet again. This is Renee LaValle McKenna for Spiritual Psychology.